back to another episode of the TC3 Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm your co-host, Tony. And today we have another good episode. I mean, we're going to go over our top five offensive linemen, top five defensive tackles, and top five edge rushers. Well, not defensive tackles, just interior uh, defensive linemen, and then top five edge rushers. We're going to go over the Damian Wilson uh, pickup and what we think that means for the Jags and regard linebacker. Uh, and we're going to go over the 25th pick of the draft. So, I mean, the top five is probably going to take a little bit of time. So, let's just jump into Damian Wilson. I mean, what do you think that means for, like, you think he's a starter? Because I necess- I, I don't. I mean, I think he's a rotational guy. I know uh, we're listening to Tim Tan a couple uh, throughout the week, and they think, like, he's going to take Schobert's spot or something. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was a solid player at Kansas City, but I don't think he's better than Joe Schobert. Yeah. Um, if anything, he provides depth for the 3-4 defense. You know, he ran – Kansas City runs that type of defense, and the Jaguars are pretty much implementing that type of defense this year, running the 3-4 with Joe Colo coming from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think he provides some pretty good, solid depth. I mean, he started 29 games uh, in two years for Kansas City, and they've been in two Super Bowls, so, like, pretty much started most of those seasons or those games uh, during those two winning seasons, and he including um, the Super Bowl win versus 49ers. So I think, like, it provides good depth, but I don't think he's taking Joe Sherbert's spot because I I think Sherbert didn't have that bad of a year last year. I mean, there are some plays where he might have got beat or whatever, but, I mean, the Jags' defense as a whole was just horrible. It's one of the worst defenses we've seen from the Jags in quite some time. So, I mean, we can't really blame him for that, but if you look at the stats, he I think he was number one in a lot of categories. I mean, he had, what, three picks, two sacks, 130 tackles or something like that, so. Yeah, all around a pretty solid player. Play him, paid him a lot of money as well. But I mean, I saw, I heard Ten Ten as well, like mention possibly like Damian Wilson coming in, rotating with him as like a run defender or something like that in a running situation. But I don't, I don't think that like, I, I just think it would be depth. But I mean, one possibility I kind of was thinking about. You might not agree with this, but I have, I have been. Listening to Tenson, and I thought about it after the Damian Wilson pickup. So I was thinking of what if they put Josh Allen at the outside spot and they put Miles Jack at the other outside um, linebacker spot. And then they have Schobert and Damian Wilson in the middle. I mean, I, you put your best players on the field. Do you think Chase on right now is a better player than Miles Jack at that position? I don't know. So, I mean, Miles Jack is athletic enough to play um, the outside linebacker rushing spot. I mean, Chase, I don't know if he's ready for that. And we haven't really provided any depth yet at that spot. We'll see after the draft, but I think that might be a possibility as well, for at least for some packages. Yeah, for some packages, I don't mind it, but I don't want to have Miles Jack out there rushing the passer. I mean, no, I mean, they don't run, rush the passer every single play. I mean, they drop back in coverage. I mean, yeah. yeah but, I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, the Steelers run 3-4, and they let, like, David Bush do his – Whatever he does, so, I mean that's definitely the best spot for Miles. Is let him do his thing, like they did last year. You don't want to go back to the what year with the twenty nineteen year when they let Miles play that in middle linebacker. He was calling the players on the defense or whatever, and he had his worst year ever. So you don't want to go back to that, but you kind of want him just to freelance and use his uh, athleticism, which he's best at. So like he did last year, playing the weak side. So but. I mean, I think it's a possibility, and I wouldn't be too mad at it. Yeah, let's just see, like, what happens. 
I, I just don't like it. I don't. I mean, a three four, and like a four three. Like we got to put your best players in too. Is way different. So like his responsibilities as like an inside backer in a three four is not going to be the same as his responsibilities as a four three inside linebacker. So I mean, you pretty much could still let. Yeah, him. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like I'm not saying he's not going to be able to freelance or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying is like him playing inside linebacker. Joe Sherbert be the guy calling plays still, and he still gets to freelance and you know uh, play like he. Like how he played as a weak side linebacker, just he'll be in the middle beside Schober and Chase or Allen, whoever. It is. Yeah, that's what I would prefer over, like, uh, because the way Ten Ten put it, they want him as like the rush in, like where he's rushing passer most of the. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with that because he's your best coverage linebacker, probably. I mean, best coverage player, probably maybe. I mean, besides corners. Yeah, like uh, I just. I don't like it. I mean, uh, we'll see where it goes. Like I said, I think Damian Williams is just a depth piece. I mean, he was a solid starter, but at the same time, like uh, I see people like, oh, we would have bring why would the starter from Kansas City come to Jacksonville if he's not going to start? But nobody was exactly beating down his door to sign him. Yeah. So I mean, he uh, I think he's a depth piece. I think he's a guy that's going to rotate in a lot. I mean, we never we don't even know what Colin wants to do. He could rotate linebackers a lot, or he could just want some valuable pieces there. Which is I, what I think. Uh, think that's pretty much what he is. I don't think he's going to start. I don't think he's going to beat out Schobert. Because, like, another narrative, I mean, I'm, I guess it's from 10 again, but I was saying that, like, he's, uh, Danny Wilson is bigger than Joe Schobert and could play a three or four backer. And they're, like, literally the same exact size. So, I mean, like, I don't, I mean, I guess he's a little bit thicker. And I guess they are going off playing styles. I mean, Joe Schobert, they think he's more of a finesse linebacker, not as a physical guy. Wilson is. I guess a thumper. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I mean, Schobert made some plays last year, so I don't think he just benched him after that. I mean, he's a good leader, made some plays, more than capable of being a, pretty, a good linebacker in his defense. And he played 3-4 defense in Cleveland, too. So, it's not like he don't have experience at that, that. Yeah. And, uh, like we said, our interior defense line was so horrible last year that, I mean, yeah. I think you could have put Ray Lewis back there and there's yeah, teams would have still ran all over it. Yeah. But jumping into the 25th pick, uh, we talk about it like every week, but it's just such a big question mark that, I mean, it's something to talk about every week. So where do you think we go? What makes the most sense for you right now? Man, uh, it's so hard because you could go in so many different directions with the 25th pick. Um, I think what's most likely is probably Trayvon Mary, probably. Because if you look at a safety depth, it's not that good. And then if you're going to get a safety, you probably want to get one, get the best one early. And then that uh, erases the hole right there. And you're probably a day one starter. So, I mean, that's what you're pretty much looking for. You're looking for, like, a guy that's going to – for those first five picks, you're probably looking for starters with all those picks. I mean, where the Jags are at. So, you uh, – eliminate one spot right there and you can't really trust the depth at the safety uh, position in this draft class so I'd probably say Trayvon Mary but I mean me personally I would go with the pass rusher Greg Rousseau if he's there Jalen Phillips if he's there um, that's what I would prefer but I think most likely is um, Mary yeah like uh, I mean Mary gives the consensual 
top safety in the draft. So if he does fall to 25, I feel like you're getting pretty good value there as much as I like, uh, am not a big fan of Merrick, just like as far as the safety class goes. But, I mean, he is like the consensus best safety in the class. So most most times the best safety in the class don't fall to 25. So, I mean, if you could get a day one starter and not like a project and somebody who's going to pretty much solidify his side of the field and play center field, I mean, he could play in the run too. So Yeah, he's just like solid all around. He does everything well, nothing great, not a great athlete, just a solid all around. And, I mean, you can't ask for it. I mean, that's what you want at safety. So, I mean, wouldn't be a bad pick out. It would just be like, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something you could talk yourself into. Like some of these picks that I see most yeah. mocked at 25, I can't talk myself into it. Uh, Kadarius Tony is one of them. I just can't get behind that. And Jason Noah is the other. Jason Noah is the other. And we'll dive into this pretty much when we go over our top five because I don't think Jason Noah made either one of our top five edge rushers. But, I mean, uh, that's another one I can't talk myself. Like, I'll try to go back this week because we're doing our top five edge rushers and see what people see in them. And I just don't see anything that jumps off. I what mean, they see is a guy that ran a 4 3 for whatever reason, that defensive end, what do you – I mean, you, I understand, understand he has great speed that for a defensive end, but, I mean, you got so much more to it than just that. So, I mean, to say you would rather have uh, O over Jason – or over uh, Greg Russo, I mean, you're out your mind. Yeah, I definitely don't see what – You never saw – well, we'll get into this later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a whole probably long segment on this, but I agree. I'm in agreement there. Yeah. But like like I said, Kadarius Tony's another one. I just can't talk myself into it. I mean, we we went on a little rant. Uh, I think last week about, or you went on a little rant last week about our uh, when Darren asked us the question. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm in agreement, man. I just can't get behind that. I could get behind Rondo more. I could get behind all these other guys. I could get I could get behind pretty much any other receiver in the class. But I cannot get behind Kadarius Tony at 25. I mean, he's gonna trick some teams into drafting him. I mean, actually, I don't even know if he's going to trick teams in the draft. I think he's going to – I mean, I think he's tricking scouts or these uh, draft pundits into thinking he's a first-round or first round player. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if GMs agree with him because – I know I know some uh, scouts and GMs question his um, passion for football which, because he wants to be a rapper. And – Joker. Yeah. So, definitely might have a career if football don't work out. But – I just he has to go to the right situation, and I mean, with the rookie quarterback right out the gate, I don't know if the Jaguars are the right situation for him. Um, and I just don't trust the production, man. Like we said many times, other than this past year, he never had a a year with more than three hundred yards receiving as a receiver. I mean, that's kind of suspect right there if you think about it. Yeah, great measurables. I mean. He ran a four three at the pro day, so they say. But I mean, everybody's running a four three these days, so, so maybe. you can't really put too much stock into it. I mean, he's an explosive player, but I mean, those jukes and cutbacks—that's not going to work against the best athletes in the world, you know. So I mean, I mean, it might work against in um, college football. I mean, I understand he played in the SEC and it worked there, but I mean, there's a big difference between any college to the NFL. Yeah. So I mean. The NFL is the best of the best. It's not just the best of the SEC. It's the best of every – the best player of every conference. Yeah, it's hard. I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, he's just – he's he's another one that, like, he's he's slippery in college, but, man, he's not going to be I – mean, just my opinion, he's not going to be able to get away from these guys in the NFL. He's not going to bounce off of uh, 
uh, Derwin James coming down on, down here for a tackle. Or Jalen Ramsey, you think he could juke out Jalen Ramsey on the screen? Or and those are just some of the best of the best. But I mean, I just I don't know, man. Like you said, his production just isn't great going into that. Uh, he I don't I mean he ran a four or whatever, but four three. But he does not have the top end speed. I mean, he, he does never uh, he never runs away from anybody. He jukes everybody out. I'll give him that. But I never seen him run away from anybody. I just I cannot. He don't look like a four three guy on tape. Or Trayvon Grimes ran a four three two in that pro yeah, day. So you mean so, tell me? Let's, let's just put that in perspective. Yeah, right? like Florida Gators have that that much speedsters. I mean, you, so you mean to tell me Trayvon Grimes and Kadarius Tony are faster than Chris Rainey and Jeff Dips? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and Marco Wilson ran a four three. Yeah, so. and so I mean that's a lot of that's just a little a lot of four threes going out of there. I mean, I just don't know. Uh, don't know how reliable you can look at it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, there's just some some fishy stuff going on in Florida yeah. pro days. Everybody's pro days, but 39 yard dash or something. Yeah, like 37 yard dash. But like I said, I can't talk myself into Kadarius Tony. I can't talk myself into Jason Oway. I can't talk myself into Quiddy Pay. Can't talk myself into any of those guys. Uh, even Bear Barmore, I could talk myself into a little bit. It's a kind of need, but uh, like I mean, I, I see it. You know. I see what the scouts like in them. Uh, I just, man, has there any been? I mean, a mock draft comes out every day, so I mean, who was like the craziest mock this week for twenty five that you saw? Uh, man, I haven't really checked the mocks this past week. Man, uh, who'd you put the? Uh, we you on Twitter? You put the throw up emojis on somebody's draft. Oh, uh, it was uh, Peter Schrager's mock draft. He had us taking Owa. Owa, that's right. I think he had. Well, that was a seven round draft, wasn't it? No, it was the first one. Oh, man, somebody did seven-round mock, and uh, I forgot. Uh, it was a pretty wild draft, too. So, I can't – well, 25th pick is just – Yeah, I mean – Quite a big question mark. This draft is so – like we um, said in the podcast with Jay like a couple of weeks ago, like there's going to be a lot of players in this draft that go higher than people expect and a lot of players that go lower than what people expected because – just the combine throws everything off. So you might think a guy's going to be like, oh, he's still on the board, he's still on the board, but he ends up falling. Or, or the guy that's like like Mary, he could got, be a guy that gets uh, drafted in the top 15 because uh, he's the best safety out there. So, I mean, this draft is really unknown in a lot of um, ways. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, like I said, 25, we could go pretty much anywhere. I mean, there's only a couple guys that I really wouldn't like. Another like position I just don't like at twenty five is the offensive line mucks. I don't like that at all. I mean, uh, Urban already said he's pretty comfortable with our offensive line. I could, I could understand like um, later on for depth purposes, you know, like in the mid rounds, like a guard tackle, either one. But as far as like twenty five, I mean, you won't have many options anyway. You have Jenkins. I know a lot of people like Jenkins. Um, from Oklahoma State, and then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, I just, I see, like, Sam, like, I don't know, like we said, this draft is so weird. I see Co- Sam Cosme mock to us at 25, and I see him going in the fifth round sometimes. <laughs> like, I just don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just weird. And that's just offensive line don't make sense to me. Could, receiver makes a lot of sense to me, just not Kadarius Tony. If you go receiver, I want to go Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall. I mean, I don't care if he's – not smaller type, and we have plenty of those tall type receivers. It don't matter if a receiver is good and you think he's good, you draft him no matter, and you figure it out later. 
Yeah. You don't want to jack, pass on a guy because he's 60. Oh, we have too many, 60 guys. And then he goes on five, six pro bowls, you know. So, I mean, yeah. draft the best person you, at that spot, you know. Yeah. I don't think teams do that. Like, uh, that's just like us. Yeah, Not us, but just like local people. The, like local media that covers the team and stuff. Our fans. Yeah. Just, oh, we got a lot of this guy. I mean, yeah, you know, like uh, – I mean, you can see it with Carlos Hyde and James Robinson. You know, I mean, those are two same players. You got them both on the roster, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I don't think, teams just want the best players. Which, like like you said, Terrence Marshall would be great. Rashad Bateman would be another one at 25 out take. Uh, Rondo Moore. But Rondo Moore, it seems like he's up in his stock a little bit lately. It seems like he's been going high, a little bit higher than 25. Not really. I've been seeing him in a second. I've been seeing him like 23. And what was the other one? I think 19 was the other one I read. So, I mean. I could definitely uh, I definitely wouldn't mind Rondo more. Yeah. Because, I mean, Urban, he, Urban had his uh, top five receivers at the beginning of the year, like, um, of this year. And he had Jamar Chase one, and then he had Rondo more two. And if you look back to um, Urban's last year at Ohio State, when they played Purdue, Rondo Moore's freshman year, he went off for, like, 172 yards, two touchdowns and stuff. So, Urban knows up close and personally, like, how great Rondo Moore, Rondell Moore is. And, like, with the Jags not getting Curtis Samuel, he kind of, like, you could kind of use him. He's kind of built like a running back. He's kind of, like, small, kind of stocky, fast, kind of like Maurice Jones Jr. a little bit. Not as big as Maurice, but, uh, like, more kind of like a, a wide receiver. Maurice was playing wide receiver, kind of smaller a little bit. But, like, breaks tackles really strong on the lower body. Um, fast, 4-2-9 speed. If it's, I mean, 4-2-9, 4-3, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, so I could definitely see the Jags going with him. I mean, maybe not at 25, but if he's there at 33, I think that'd be a realistic target. Yeah, I'm big Rondo Moore fan, so I do think he's going to be successful. So that is a guy I'll take. I'll take Elijah Moore at 33 or uh, 45. I mean, he's another one of those. If you do like those small receivers and think we need a small receiver, I think that, I mean, I, I take him seven days a week. Over Kadarius Tony, I mean, he did it at a higher level. Yeah. All right, he's did it at the same level. He did it more consistently and a better production, you know. So, uh, yeah, twenty five. We'll probably talk about it next week with whole different opinions on it. So, <laughs> let's dive into our top five offensive linemen. Uh, who do you have as your offensive lineman one? Penay Sewell, Oregon. <laughs> I mean, he's mainly everybody's um, top um, offensive lineman. But you do see some people saying Rashawn Slater um, is a big threat to him. But I think that's like kind of like how it was with like Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and then Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith. People want to create like kind of a controversy, like topic or something to talk about because the guy's at consensus number one player at his position for like the last year, last two years. So I think like that kind of got a little bit uh, overblown, but I, I don't think it's any question that Panay Sewell is the top uh, offensive tackle of this draft or offensive line period. Yeah, I would agree with Panay Sewell. I mean, he's just a beast, man. Like I had to go back and watch him again this week and he's just nasty, man. He just, uh, and I was big on Tristan Wirfs last year and I think he's just as good or might be a little bit better than Tristan Wirfs. And yeah. He's and Worst was probably the best rookie tackle in the league last year. Probably one of the better tackles in the period last year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, 
And then a little bit of a gap for my two, but I mean, it really just showed me how good Panay Sewell was because when I watched Rashawn Slater, I was like, man, he might be the best tackle. I mean, he completely took out Chase Young two years ago in 2019. I mean, he was a Chase Young was a non-factor. He's a good like shadow blocker. He's just like nobody gets around him, you know. And uh, he's not as nasty as Panay Sewell, but he does have like a mean streak in him. And he's but like technically, he might be one of the best tackles in the. My number two is Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech. Um, I really like him a lot. I mean, he's athletic. He, no, he a beast at tackle. Uh, I remember watching the Miami game and um, against him and Quincy Roche. Didn't, you didn't hear his name the whole game because uh, Darisaw and they're like, well, this is the matchup to watch for the day. Quincy Roche versus Darisaw, a projected first round pick. I, back then, I didn't really even know too much about him. But then going back, but after that game, I, I knew he was the real deal. And then looking back at uh, his tape against other teams like Boston College and stuff, he just dominates. He gets out in space fast. I mean, he's, I think he's going to be a great player. Um, my number three is Rashawn Slater. Aaron, Aaron just pretty much discussed him. I mean, I don't think he's up there with uh, Panay Sewell. And I think Dar- I like Darisaw a little bit better. But I mean, I think a team, I think he'll be drafted in the first round and the team will get a pretty solid player. Yeah, for my number three, Tony pretty much described him as Christian Darisaw. I do like him. He has, like, a good punch. Like, I always hear Cersei talk about how good his punch, like, how good his punch was. And uh, Darisaw pretty much has the same, like, trait, which is really good. He's another good, like, shadow blocker. He's good with his feet. But the only thing, he just, like, doesn't look too strong to me on when I watched him. He just, like, uh, kind of got boorish a little bit. gets knocked back sometimes, which it's not too bad, but... I mean, I, just because of the, those little things just had me put, what's it called, Rashawn Slater above him. I still think he's a quality tackle. I just uh, I don't think he's as good as the other two. For my fourth offensive lineman, it's, I'm going to go with Tevin Jenkins. Uh, I said he was a bust last week, but or I said he's a potential bust last week. But I, was, I mean, if he plays tackle in the NFL, I think he's going to be a bust. <laughs> I mean, it's just like his game, uh, it's not – I mean, his game, he's like a mauler. He's, he's a mean, streaky guy. But, I mean, some of that don't work in the NFL all the time, you know? Yeah. He, like, he's, he's going to uh, get hands. he get a lot of penalties. But as a guard, I think he could be an elite guard. I think he could be up there with, uh, the like, the Colts guard. Uh, Quentin Nelson. Yeah, Quentin Nelson. I mean, I think he – I mean, they got pretty much share the same mean streak in them. But as a tackle, I don't like – but if he's a guard, I think he would be a pretty good guard. Um, for my number four, we're doing offensive alignment all together, yeah. like guards included. So my fourth guy is Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. He's like the top guard in this draft, probably a first-round pick. Um, he's like a mauler. I mean, he's strong as an ox. He has like he had like 36 bench preps, you know, and he's kind of athletic too. So he, I have him as my number four offensive line prospect in this draft. Um, number five for me. I had to put a tie because, I mean, I was torn between these two guys. Um, I had Taven Jenkins, which Aaron discussed, and Sam Cosme from Texas. Um, Cosme's a little bit, like, he was kind of weird because he was, like, projected top 10 pick last year. But, you know, like, sometimes the season progressing and guys aren't – they aren't as higher on the player than they were before. Are they just here from scouts or whatever? But, I mean, you never know because, like, play, the – Pundits could be like down on the player, and then he ends up being drafted where we thought he was gonna get drafted. So we'll see with him. But yeah, I got them to um, tie for number five: uh, Sam Cosby from Texas and Javon Jenkins from Oklahoma State.
For my number five, it's Tony's number fourth is Elijah Barry Tucker. I think he uh I think he's a guard, but he can pretty much I think what his what he was pretty much gonna be in the league is like a quality swing tackle, you know, like a Shatley type of guy. I mean not like probably a better version, but a guy that can fill in and play both positions. Uh he moved to left tackle last year and he was pretty good. He's still raw at that position, but he's pretty good there. But I mean, he's definitely a better guard, and I think that's what he projects as in the uh, NFL better. Uh, for my sleeper is Liam Etchenberg or Liam Etchenberg from Notre Dame. I mean, he's a solid. He's not great at nothing. He's solid at everything. He's pretty much unshakable. The thing that I like the most about him is that Clemson will like throw a bunch of like when I was watching the Clemson game, they'll throw a bunch of like uh, different formations and shifts on him, and they don't get shook. I mean, you just knock Xavier Thomas out of the play or whoever is their defensive end at the time. Yeah, my sleeper for. Um... The sleeper for me is uh, Ben Cleveland, the guard from Georgia. He's a huge mauler, another mauler. He's 6'6", 343 pounds, and all muscle. I mean, if you watch Georgia football, they're known for how great their offensive line is. And Ben Cleveland was one of the big reasons for that. Yeah, and that's our offensive line. I guess I'll hit it off with our interior defensive line. Uh, For me, uh, Davian Nixon is clearly – the best defensive tackle for me. Uh, he's just – he's a good three-tech. He gets off the ball great. He can stop the run, rush the passer. You can do pretty much anything you ask of him. Uh, PFF had him ranked ninth on defensive tackle. I just – I don't understand that for life of me. Yeah. And these, like, our rankings are just our opinion. You know, they're not yeah. like – we're not going off what the pundits say and y'all could call us crazy or whatever. But this is what we see with our own eyes. and. We're thinking about these guys as, at the next level to see how they measure up. So our opinions aren't going to be like those guys. Yeah, my top guy is Carlos Basham from Wake Forest. Every time I watched him, watched the Wake Forest game, he stood out. He jumped off the page, you know. And he he played. I think he weighed at two seventy five in the combine, but he played at two eighty five last year. And he ran like a four five nine. So he's plenty of athletic. He, he could play. If the Jags drafted him, he'd probably be a three four a defensive end for us. So, I mean, but he could play edge as well. So, I mean, he, he's versatile. He's just a baller. Uh, my number two is I have my guy, one of my favorite prospects in this whole draft, Milton Williams from Louisiana oh. Tech. And he's an athletic freak. I mean, I sent, like, um, Aaron and Darian, like, his uh, measurables at the combine. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. Like at 284, 6'3, 284, he ran like a 4'6'2 at like a 36 inch vertical jump or something like that. And then you watch his film and he just pops off. I mean, he just throws people around. People try to, he don't move backwards at all. I think he's going to be, when it's all said and done, he's going to be one of the better ones in this draft. Like, I kind of like I said with Carlos Basham, he could play, he's a little bit undersized for a defensive tackle. That's what he played at Louisiana Tech. He's 284. But, I mean, he could play there because he's going to be athletic and strong enough. Or he could play edge. He can even play – I mean, he could play defensive end in 3-4 or defensive end period. Or he could play edge because he's athletic enough. So he could play anywhere on the defensive line. And I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be – it wouldn't be surprising if he was the best defensive lineman to come out this draft. Yeah, he definitely looked good in that clip that I saw and I sent you that uh, after you yeah. told me about him. Okay, he's like unmovable. Yeah. Uh for my DT2 is Christian Barmore. I definitely see what people are talking about with him, like, as far as, like, his his skills and what he can project to. I mean, I, he's a lot like – he has flashes of, like, Derrick Brown and Ken Law where, like, he just dominates. He just don't do it consistently enough to be DT1. 
for me. But I mean, he, I can definitely see where everybody likes. I just like him to be a little more consistent. For my number three, I mean, this is probably going to throw a little bit of people off because I mean, he's not getting a lot of love. They don't seem like they're the draft pundits, but it's Bobby Brown the third from Texas A&M. Honestly, not Bobby Brown from the Warriors block. Yeah, not not our friend Bobby <laughs> Brown, friend of the podcast. Uh, his son, because that's Bobby Brown Jr. Uh, so his son, uh, Bobby Brown the third uh, from Texas A&M. Dude is just a beast, man. I mean, honestly, when I was watching him, he probably because we gotta project these players a little bit too. Yeah. But like tape wise, he might have the best tape. He's just big and fast and agile, long. He just gets. I mean, he has his way with anybody that lines up in front of him. So I mean, like for the Jags. I'll take him all day of the week. <laughs> um, for my number three, I have Aaron's guy, who Aaron's number one, uh, Davion Nixon from Iowa. You know, I mean, Aaron pretty much uh, said it all. I mean, he was a baller for Iowa. I forgot how many. I think he had like what nine tackles for a loss or something like that. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, he'll be a good player regardless. Uh, number four for me. I have Christian Barmore from Alabama. He's usually the top prospect for everyone's um, for, for most track pundits, uh, top uh, defensive lineman, defensive tackle. But for me, I have number four just because there's sometimes he takes plays off. And then, you, like, he really started coming on towards the end of the year. And that's when he got all the hype and stuff. So, I mean, he has a lot of potential. If he reaches that potential, I could definitely see him as the best defensive lineman. But it's just about whether or not he's going to reach it. Yeah. For my fours, Darius Stills from West Virginia. I mean, he's another good pass rusher and defensive tackle. He's like a pretty much like what you get out of him is like when when you sub him into a passing situation, I mean, you could kind of count on a rush the passer. He's good enough to run, uh, stop the run, but pretty much he's pretty much just like a specialty pass rusher and defensive tackle. My number five is uh, Liam McNeil from NC State. He's just a disruptor. Just wreaks havoc. I mean, he's like a baby Terrence Knighton when I watch him. Yeah, I have the same uh, uh, Alien McNeil from uh, NC State as my number five as well. You know, he's the best um, nose tackle in this draft. So, like, if you're like a Jags needing a 3 4 nose tackle that's going to clog the middle up and stop the run, um, that's, that's your guy right there. So, my sleeper is another nose tackle, the second best one, Tyler Shelvin from LSU. I, I don't think he played this year, but when he did play, he was a big. Part of that championship team um, back in uh, last year when they had all those stars and stuff. So that's my sleeper. Yeah, for my sleeper is John Marshall from Arkansas. He's kind of he kind of gets looked or passed up because he's from Arkansas. But I mean, he has some good tape. He's long. He's another long, big, tall defensive tackle. He's agile. He's quick. He has a real quick first step and gets uh, off the ball pretty fast. Pretty fast get off. Okay, and now we'll go to our top edge rushers. My top edge rusher is my guy, Greg Rousseau from the University of Miami. He didn't play this past year. He had 15 and a half sacks um, his sophomore year. People think he's a one-year wonder, but he's not. He's, ever since he stepped on the campus at University of Miami, he got like sacks after sacks, whether it was five sacks during the scrimmage, another five sacks during the scrimmage. So he's just a sack machine, period. I don't care what he ran in three-cone drill, whatever you are, analytics you are trying to find. He is the best edge rusher in this draft, and there's no question about it. Yeah. Uh, for me, as a guy I wasn't even high on going into, like, this process. I mean, I, I used to tell Tony that, like, I just would have taken him at first. I tried telling him. But, I mean, after watching the man, is my number one edge rusher is Jalen Phillips. I mean, he's just 
He's just so good. He's the most NFL-ready edge prospect in the draft. He is on tape what you want away or Kitty pay to be. I mean, he's active. But he has he show you can see his athleticism when he plays, and you can see his strength through his athleticism. He has probably the best pass rushing move set out of everybody in the draft. And he he has a killer spin move, a killer like inside step. I mean, he's just a he's a beast, man. And I now he's a guy I wasn't even high on. Even like last week, I was like, man, he did have some good measurables, but it's a pro day. Let me go back and watch him. And I mean, I just came away like blown away. The the one game that comes to mind with um, with uh, Phillips for me is that Virginia Tech game. He yeah. dominated every play. Every yeah. Game. I mean, he Hernan Hooker was running for his life. Yeah, like, he's a beast, man. For for my edge too is Tony's guy Greg Rousseau. I mean, both Miami boys, unfortunately. But I mean, he uh, he's pretty much with everything Tony said. I mean, you don't got to find no analytics or no BS chart to say he's not going to be a good player. I mean, he stops the run well. He's still, still, still so raw that you don't even know what you're getting at, or you don't even know how good he can be. Yeah. Yeah, my number two is Jalen Phillips from Miami. Uh, we just pretty much discussed it. I mean, he's an athletic freak. He was the number one player in the nation uh, coming out of, from high school to college. He had a couple of injuries. That's the only thing that you worry about is just an injury history. But, I mean, he proved at Miami. He stayed healthy the whole time, and he played a full year. And he dominated, and he's now a projected first-round pick. So, I mean, any, uh, I think any team would be satisfied that just Jalen Phillips. And my number three – is Joseph Asai, I think that's how you say him, from Texas. I mean, he's a solid player all around, athletic. He's another athletic freak. I mean, he has, like, um, I think he had a 41-inch vertical and ran a 4-5 or was it 4-4, something like that, like in, at his pro day. But I could definitely see he's one of my – out of Owa, Pay and Asai, I, think I like him the most out of those three. Yeah. For my edge three, it's Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. I mean – he he was suspended early in the season, so he pretty much he didn't even get a whole season. But for me, he's a little bit undersized, but he reminds me of like this classes in Gakwe. I mean, he's undersized, but he just plays like uh, just foot on the gas every play. Doesn't take plays off. He's strong. He uh, he pretty much to be so small, man. He's a really strong player. I mean, he moves uh, tackle that will. I mean, he's he's definitely my edge three. And somebody I didn't even think I was gonna put on my list. For my edge four, it is Joseph Asai, pretty much for everything Tony said. I mean, out of out of all these uh, PFF guys, or like these analytic warriors, he definitely seems like he's the best one that translates. I mean, he's athletic. He uh, he had a – same thing that stood out with Ronnie Perkins to me was him against Tevin Jenkins. And, or Tevin Jenkins, yeah. He, uh, he had some good plays on him, and that's – some people's uh, top tackle in the draft, so or top five tackle in the draft. My edge four is uh, Joe Tryon from Washington. I mean, he didn't play this past year, so we didn't really get any stats on him or whatever. But the year before, he had twelve and a half sacks or twelve and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks, and for Washington, and he tested pretty well as a uh, at his combine as well. So. I think he's kind of he's kind of stepped on a little bit, but I could definitely see him one of, end up being one of the top pass rushers from this draft. Yeah, and for my edge five is Rashad Weaver out of Pitt. I mean, he's a guy that I love. I mean, he uh, he's coming off an ACL injury, so like some like early in the year he didn't look as explosive as he did uh, previously. But I mean, he turned it on towards the end of the year. He's he can 
put his hand in the dirt and be a 4-3 edge rusher, or he could stand up and be a 4-3 backer. I mean, and he could almost, I mean, if you put a little bit of weight on him, he could play the edge in a 3-4-2. I mean, he's already 270. Yeah. So, and he's just one of those guys that, I mean, if you like analytics and like how they test, he tested pretty well at his pro day. He's just like, he's a run stopper. He's bats balls down. He's just, he's a great football player to me. He's yeah. a great football player. Yeah, I have Rashad Weaver as my number five edge too. Um, he was coming off an ACL injury um, last year. He bounced back this year and played really, really well. I mean, dominated. He stood out anytime he played Florida State when he played Miami. Any game he played, he, he, number 97 stood out. So, yeah, yeah. definitely a great player. And, like, I tried to watch Patrick Jones's uh, tape, and Rashad Weaver stood out again <laughs> to me. So, I was like, God, this guy's yeah. a beast. My sleeper is one of my favorite edge rushers in this draft, and I think someone – some whoever signs him, whether he's undrafted or gets drafted later, um, they're gonna get a steal, and that's Chris Rump from uh, Duke. Um, I've been telling Aaron about him for a while now. Like he's got a little bit undersized; he's like six two, two thirty, two forty. But man, he just dominates. He takes over games, and sometimes. And um, the only thing with him, he got hurt uh, against Miami late, late in the year. And he tore his Achilles or ACL injury. And that's the only reason why I think he might not get drafted this year. But if he, this team willing to give him a chance, like as a, as an undrafted free agent or take the risk of drafting him, I think he's going to uh, do wonders and prove them right, you know, and be a steal for somebody. Yeah, for my sleeper, it's a guy that I really wasn't familiar with until I came back and watched him. It was Hamilcar, I think is his first name. Hamilcar Rashid from Oregon State. The only thing that worries me about him is last year he didn't really produce that much. But two years ago, man, he had like 14 sacks. He led uh, the Pac-12 in sacks, tackles for loss. I mean, he's just a physical player, man. Like, he jumps out, like, not even just rushing the passer. I mean, he uh, just stops the run well. He just, like, God, he's so strong, man. He just, like, knocks people off. And I think, like, his 2020 campaign is going to maybe make him go undrafted or – maybe like let him fall but I think he like if he does go to a three four like the Jags and then I think he could probably be a starting caliber uh three four linebacker for us. So I mean that's about it about edge rushers and our top five position groups for this week. What are your thoughts about as far as the edge um, group? Uh it's a position group that I wasn't I didn't think was too deep going into it. But I mean there's a lot of good players just like uh there's another guy that caught my eye that just missed the list because uh, uh, Hamilcar Rashid was just too good not to put on my list was Patrick Jones from Tulane. He's another solid player. I mean, like, he really turned on in the latter part of his career. Like, this last 21 games, he had, like, 23 sacks or something. So, I mean, I think uh, think maybe, like, the top uh, the top heavy potential is not there, like, for, like, a elite Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, uh Chase Young type pass rusher, but once you get later on, I think you can get some quality like eight sack a year type of guys. Yeah, I mean, I know people are wondering why we don't have Jason Owa, Quiddy Pay, Aziz Ojolari, but I mean, like as a defensive lineman, like you want guys like none of those guys had a game where they took over, yeah. like where you watch them and they're like, wow, like this guy took over. Greg Rousseau had that game against Miami. He had most our game against Florida State where he just took over the game and caused hell for the whole Florida State offense and pretty much, like, 
FSU couldn't move the ball at all. And then Jalen Phillips had that game against Virginia Tech this past year. I mean, these the guys in our top five had those type of games before. With those three guys, I mean, you're basing – like a lot of people are just basing their traits just from for like as their measurements and stuff, like expecting them to turn into something. I mean, they could because Danielle Hunter was like that. Yeah. Danielle Hunter was a guy that didn't produce that much at LSU. He had all the physical traits and then – turn it on and end up being one of the better defensive ends in the league. But, I mean, that happens rarely. So, I'm not like – I don't know. Like, uh, when I watched Quiddy Pay, just his technique wasn't great. He was just – I mean, he was just a good athlete out there. Yeah, he was all over the place. Like, he was just like – he didn't know what he was doing. It didn't seem like – Like, a great option. Yeah, and stuff just like, uh, it's like the people who love comparing these guys to like, oh, well, he had the same, the same testing numbers as – or uh, Nick Bosa, but Nick Bosa produced in college. These guys aren't producing in college either. I mean, it's one thing if you had 15 sacks or had 12 sacks and did that. But, I mean, these workout warriors, man, I just – I mean, I'll go back to this next year or whoever, and I, I, will, uh, I will put money that some of the guys that we – I just trust my eyes, man. I trust, like, who I think can translate. And some of these guys are like Oweya. Or away, I just I don't see him being good. I mean, I I don't see him being good at all. I mean, no, me either. That's the the out of the three that we mentioned. I, I feel like I feel best about Quiddy Pay being yeah. the best one. Yeah, I I agree with that because Pay uh, has some strength to him. You know, what I mean, he at least produced somewhat. I mean, like he probably would have had a big year if he didn't opt out mid season. I mean, he had played four games and he had like two sacks in the sports game, which is impressive. But I mean, uh, he did not didn't have a bad sophomore year as well or junior year. But just he, like watching him, he uh, he definitely has like traits to work with. You know, I mean, he could be like a Ziggy Anza or somebody like yeah. that. And I don't see, I don't see that in Jason Oway. I don't see that in Aziz Azalari. Uh, yeah. For Oway, man, he just like you can see his four three speed when he runs straight out of a, when he runs straight out of a play. <laughs> I mean, I see it there. I don't see it nowhere else. I mean, he just he gets lost. Tackles just have their way with him, like. I just I don't like uh, I don't like him at all. Like for Jalen Phillips, the reason he's my edge one is because I watched him against Virginia Tech. He had a great game. I watched him against Clemson. He had a great game against Clemson. He was he was holding his own, man. He was uh, that that Clemson tackle Jackson Carmen. I mean, he's projected second round pick. You know, projected third, second, and uh, I mean, it looks like to me Jalen Phillips. I mean, he didn't stuff the stat sheet, but he was having his way with him. Yeah, he got a sack that game too. He's and. He uh, he put some a, a nice hit on Etienne in the run game. He uh, put a nice hit on Trevor Lawrence when he tried to scramble. He just is active, man. And I'd like I like activeness out of our uh, edge rushers. You know, I don't like if the play's not there, them taking plays off. Yeah. And I mean, like we said, it's just our opinion. We're we're not we could be wrong, but I yeah, trust. I'm sure we'll be wrong. Yeah. I mean, like about some of these guys. But I mean, so will Tom McShay and Mel Kiper and yeah. Matt Miller and all those other guys too. I definitely trust what uh, – And so were the GMs. I see. And, like, I don't know, man. It's just – I don't see it at all with Owe. No. I, I can see that. I saw it too many times happen in the NFL draft before. You saw it with Dante Fowler. Saw it with – Deion Jordan. Deion Jordan. Saw it with um, – Pretty much there's an edge rusher every draft. Yeah. Like that. I just – I mean, that might not run a 4-3, but, I mean, you don't need to run a 4-3 to be a defensive end. I'd rather have a guy who runs a 4-8 yeah. knows what he's doing, knows how to play a position. That produced, took over games. And 
I think uh, the interior defense line class is pretty good too, or not. Like it's a lot like the edge class where it's not top heavy, but there is some potential there, man. I think uh, Davian Nixon could be one of the best defensive tackles in the league. And I think Barmore, if you could get consistent play out of him, I mean, he could be dominant. I mean, he shows flashes of dominance. He just doesn't do it consistently. Like at least like even Kinlaw at South Carolina. I mean, even if he did take plays off when he was dominant, he was like, yeah, I mean, these defenses are trying to play so many plays. So yeah. they're not going to go 100% every single play because they're just going to be out of breath. I mean, football, I mean, you get tired pretty easy, especially when you're a big defensive lineman that's been hitting other 300-pound linemen the whole day. So, I mean, I don't expect them to be like every play just 110% just dominating. But I'd just like to see it more, yeah. especially in the top half of the game. You know, yeah, like yeah. when you're fresh, I like to see it. I mean, I don't like when they like turn it on when they want to. You know, I can understand if you run out of gas. And a guy who almost made my list is a guy that I've been pretty hard on because he's uh he was an FSU player and didn't really land or didn't really uh didn't really produce how I wanted to him to this year. But I mean, going back and watching him, Marvel Wilson's I mean, he's a pretty good player, man. Uh I was hard on him. I said he wasn't a Top ten DT. He just let his feelings get involved. Yeah, but I mean, I'll, I'll put him at six. I'll put him if he goes to the right team, man. He could just. I mean, if he plays like he did his sophomore year, I mean, he might or junior or junior year. I mean, yeah. sorry. But even last year, I mean, he he showed his flashes where like he was still that player, you know. But we just asked him to do a lot of things. We asked him to line up outside, and we asked him to line up on the three tech zero team. I mean, he yeah, played full perfect. He played everywhere. Even like like the one game that like. He was pissing me off so much was the Miami game when I was watching it. But I was watching the whole game. You know, I wasn't just focused on Marvel Wilson. But I went back and watched it, man. He he did some good things. And it just – it just the rest of the defense that didn't do it, you know. So, I mean, if you don't believe me, you can go back and watch it. I mean, he did he, – he held most of his part. But I just remember Zion Nelson as a freshman just yeah. dogging him. Yeah. And like I said, he should, he, there's no way he shouldn't have made his list after his junior year. You know, you thought he was going to come back and have a great senior campaign. But, I mean, that's the way this stuff happens. Uh, I wouldn't draft him. But if the right team gets him, and it could be like a rotational DT. It could be like a six-sack, five-sack type of One guy, another guy for the edge rusher, he was just outside my top five. Um, Aaron's mentioned his unique Nagakwe for this draft. Mine is... Quincy Roche from Miami and played at Temple. He dominated every single year of college. Played great this year as well. Ran tested pretty well. I mean, I think he's going to be a good player wherever he goes. Preferably, like, as a 3-4 linebacker, that would probably be his best spot. But, I mean, Miami just loaded coming out with three great defensive, pro- defensive end prospects this year. Can't can't really go wrong with either one. Yeah. Like, like we said, the uh, the edge class isn't top heavy like where the elite pass rusher is, but there's a lot of potential there. I mean, Greg Rousseau could be could be that. I don't think he's on the same level as some of those guys coming out, but like I don't think he's on the same NFL ready level as like Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, or like a Trey Young or Chase Young. But I mean, I don't think he's too far off. Jalen Phillips is another guy. I think he's the most NFL ready. I mean, it, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he's the first edge off the thing, but I don't think he will be because of injury history. I mean, he did get medically disqualified somewhere or medically declined. But, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. We did have a question this week from LSU Vol. I mean, they do, like, their own podcast with, like, I guess, LSU and 
uh, Jaguar stuff. They had uh, a Clemson beat writer. I forgot his name on. So, I mean, it's on our Twitter page. So you all should check that out. But they asked us, who does John, who, if you're John Lynch, who would you take at three? And if you're Urban Meyer, who do you take at 25? I'm John Lynch. I'm definitely taking Justin Fields. I mean, the potential is oh man, through the roof for him. I mean, especially with Kyle Shanahan as his coach. I mean, you got a guy that's like has all the tools. I mean, produced. I mean, all the stuff he's getting is just like ridiculous to me. Because I mean, I think he should be the number two quarterback, honestly. But I mean, but if you pair him up with Kyle Shanahan, with with his uh, tools, you know, Shanahan's gonna put him in position to, to succeed, and he's one of the best offensive minds in the game. So I mean, I think they should just go with the best player that has the best tools. I mean, there's been rumors about his work ethic, but we don't know how true that is. I mean, you never know. As long as they, everything checks out, I mean, I think Shanahan should definitely take um, Justin Fields. What about you? Yeah, I'm in agreement there. I think uh, – and I, I like Mac Jones, but at three, when Justin Fields is on board, I just can't wrap my head around that. I don't, I don't even think it's real, man. I think they're going to take Justin Fields. Yeah, I, don't I think so. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that, where that narrative is coming from. Yeah, they're, they're supposed to have a workout with Justin Fields sometime this week. Apparently, like Matt Jones, um, offense coordinator. Who was it? Who's his offense coordinator at Alabama right now? Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian, yeah. He was, um, him and uh, he worked with the Falcons and Kyle Shanahan. They kind of like rent, have similar offenses or something. So they think he like kind of fits the offense better because he already ran some of the stuff. So I think that's the reason why they're kind of interested in him. But personally, I think they should take Justin Fields, and I think they will, especially after his uh, private workout or a second workout, pro day, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I was trying to think of anything else, like what makes sense for them to trade up. There's not really an elite, anything elite, unless they traded up for about – but they just signed Trent Williams, so I guess they didn't trade up for Panay. Nah, if you give up that much, you're yeah. definitely drafting the quarterback. But, what? Or like there's no – like we said a couple minutes ago, there's no top-heavy edge rusher that's worth that. So, I mean, I definitely think they should draft Justin Fields. And then for the 25th pick, uh, we just went over this in depth, like what we think is going to happen, but just putting a name on it or putting a face on it. But what would we do? Though? Yeah, what we do, I would go with offense. I'll go with a receiver, man. I'll go with either. And one of those receivers are going to fall, whether it's Rondell Moore, Rashad Bateman, one of them guys, uh, even Terrence Marshall, I'll take one of them. Uh, either that or if we go defense, Jalen Phillips. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll take Greg Rousseau or Jalen Phillips, whichever one's available. If they're both available, I'll take Greg Rousseau because I think like he could play that edge, that 3-4 outside linebacker, but he could also go inside and play the defensive end spot too. I mean, he's still growing pretty much. I mean, you could put some pounds on him if you wanted to. Um, he's just been dominated ever since he stepped on campus. I mean, people call him a one-year wonder, but, I mean, he's – Really, he just missed his freshman year, and he opted out this past year. So, I mean, he would have dominated if he hadn't gotten enough playing time in, uh, during both of those years. So, I definitely go to Rousseau, like Aaron said. But if he's not there, then Jalen Phillips. And if he's not there, then I'll go – yeah, I'll, I'll go receiver too. Yeah, I, wouldn't, I would definitely wouldn't – another position group that I can't wrap my head around is running back. I've seen that mocked like ETM and them guys. And- yeah. No, thank you. Not at 25. No, that's kind of early. Yeah. But, I mean, that's pretty much it for uh, what we have this week. Next week, we'll be going over our safeties. No, our, um, or our linebacker safeties corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then that's it, right? 
Yeah, and then we just preview the draft after that because that'd be the week of the draft. Yeah, we had we had to put a little bit of speed onto our top fives because yeah. the draft started approaching quick. I guess we didn't time it right or time <laughs> it, or time, but it worked out. I mean, it's pretty much covered a nice podcast, gave us a nice some nice topics. As always, thank y'all for subscribing or thank y'all for listening. If y'all want to subscribe, like five stars. If y'all like the podcast, uh, feel free to do that. Yeah, we appreciate everybody listening, all of our friends and stuff on Twitter that always support us, man. We appreciate it. Yeah. AC, uh, FSU, Alex, Darren, you know, everybody, Bobby Brown, everyone that supports us week in, week out, man, we appreciate it. Yeah, it definitely means a lot to us that y'all are listening to our podcast. Yeah. Darren was actually supposed to get on his podcast today, but due to some technical difficulties, he uh, – was not on. I think he's gonna get on before, right? the week before the draft to yeah. preview the draft. And that's good to be, that works out because uh, that's what we did last year too. So yeah. So yeah, I was just actually looking at our old podcast with like, "Who's your guys?" That was our old podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely came a long way from then. Yeah, and we, um, me and Jerry said like, I think he mentioned this on his Chill Takes podcast that we asked who's the biggest bust in this draft, and I said uh, Chase on from LSU and. What do you know? Next thing you know, a couple of days later, the Jaguars drafting. So, I wonder who I said. Let's take a look. Uh, I need to go back and listen. I think I might have said CJ because uh, back when CJ was getting. No, that was the weekend. Let's go ahead and end this podcast. Uh, thank y'all for listening. As always, you can subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or Anchor, and follow us on Twitter at the T the Cover Three Blog. Uh, just give us your feedback and give us some questions if you want us some questions and we'll see y'all next week i'm tony oh. at twitter underscore tony cabrera i'm aaron on twitter with aaron cabrera underscore and now we'll see y'all next week